Runo 29 of Kalevala, The Land of the Heroes by Elias Lunrot. Translated by William Forsell Kirby, 1844-1912. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Runo 29. Lemminkainen's Adventures on the Island. Argument. Lemminkainen sails across the lakes in his boat, and comes safely to the island. There he lives pleasantly among the girls and women till the return of the men from warfare, who conspire against him. Lemminkainen flies from the island, much to the grief both of the girls and himself. His boat is wrecked in a violent storm, but he escapes by swimming to land, makes a new boat, and arrives safely on the shores of his own country. He finds his old house burned, and the whole surroundings laid waste, when he begins to weep and lament, especially for the loss of his mother. His mother, however, is still alive, having taken refuge in a thick forest, where Lemminkainen finds her to his great joy. She relates how the army of Pohjola came and burned down the house. Lemminkainen promises to build a finer house, after he has revenged himself upon the people of Pohjola, and describes his pleasant life in the island of refuge. Lemminkainen, youth so lively, he the handsome Kaukomili, took provisions in his satchel, in his wallet, summer butter, butter for a year to last him, for another pork sufficient, then he travelled off to hide him, started in the greatest hurry, and he said the words which follow. Now I go, and I'm escaping, for the space of three whole summers, and for five years in succession. Be the land to snakes abandoned, let the lynxes snarl in greenwood, in the fields the reindeer wander, in the brakes the geese conceal them. Fare thee well, my dearest mother, if the people come from Poya, from Pimentola the army, and about my head they ask you, Say that I have fled before them, and have taken my departure, and I have laid waste my clearing that which I had reaped so lately. Then he pushed his boat in water, on the waves he launched his vessel, from the roller's steel he launched it, from the haven lined with copper, on the mast the sails he hoisted, and he spread the sails of linen. At the stern himself he seated, and prepared him for his journey, sitting by his birchwood rudder, with the stern oar deftly steering. Then he spoke the words which follow, and in words like these expressed him, Wind, inflate the sails above me. Wind of spring, drive on the vessel, drive with speed the wooden vessel. Onward drive the boat of pinewood forward to the nameless island, and the nameless promontory. So the wind, the bark drove onward, or the foaming lake t'was driven, or the bright expanse of water, speeding o'er the open water, rocking while two moons were changing, till a third was near its ending. At the cape were maidens sitting, there upon the blue lake's margin they were gazing and were casting glances o'er the azure billows. One was waiting for her brother, and another for her father, but the others all were waiting, waiting each one for a lover. In the distance spied they Kauko, sooner still the boat of Kauko, like a little cloud in distance, 
just between the sky and water and the island maids reflected said the maidens of the island what's this strange thing in the water what this wonder on the billows if a boat of our relations sailing vessel of our island hasten then and speed thee homeward to the harbour of the island that we hear the tidings quickly hear the news from foreign countries if there's peace among the shore folks or if war is waged among them still the wind the sail inflated and the billows drove the vessel then the lively lemminkainen guided to the isle the vessel to the island's end he drove it where it ends in jutting headland and he said on his arrival to the cape as he was coming is there room upon this island on the surface of the island where the boat may land upon it and to dry land i may bring it said the girls upon the island and the island maidens answered there is room upon this island on the surface of the island where the boat may land upon it and to dry land you may bring it there are harbors for the vessel on the beach sufficient rollers to receive a hundred vessels though the boats should come by thousands then the lively lemminkainen on the land drew up his vessel on the wooden rollers laid it and he spoke the words which follow is there room upon this island on the surface of the island where a little man may hide him and a weak man may take refuge from the din of furious battle and the clash of steely sword-blades said the girls upon the island and the island maidens answered there is room upon this island on the surface of the island where a little man may hide him and a weak man may conceal him here are very many castles stately castles to reside in though there came a hundred heroes and a thousand men of valor said the lively lemminkainen and he spoke the words which follow is there room upon this island on the surface of the island where there stands a birch-tree forest and a stretch of other country where i perhaps may make a clearing work upon my goodly clearing said the girls upon the island and the island maidens answered there is not upon this island on the surface of the island not the space your back could rest on land not of a bushel's measure where you perhaps might make a clearing work upon your goodly clearing all the land is now divided and the fields and plots are measured and allotted are the fallows grassland managed by the commune said the lively lemminkainen asked the handsome kaukomili is there room upon this island on the surface of the island space where i my songs may carol space where i may sing my ballads words within my mouth are melting and between my gums are sprouting said the girls upon the island and the island maidens answered there is room upon this island on the surface of the island space where you may sing your ballads and intone your splendid verses while you sport amid the greenwood while you dance among the meadows then the lively lemminkainen hastened to commence his singing in the court sang mountain ash trees in the farmyard oaks grew upward on the oaks were equal branches and on every branch an acorn golden globes within the acorns and upon the globes were cuckoos when the cuckoos all were calling from their mouths was gold distilling from their beaks was copper flowing likewise silver pouring onward to the hills all golden shining and among the silver mountains 
Once again sang Lemminkainen, once again he sang enchanted. Gravel sang to pearls of beauty, all the stones to gleaming luster, all the stones to glowing redness, and the flowers to golden glory. Then again sang Lemminkainen, in the yard a well created, o'er the well a golden cover, and on this a golden bucket that the lads might drink the water and their sisters wash their faces ponds he sang upon the meadows in the ponds blue ducks were floating temples golden heads of silver and their claws were all of copper then the island maidens wondered and the girls were all astounded at the songs of lemminkainen and the craft of that great hero said the lively lemminkainen spoke the handsome kaukomili i have sung a song most splendid but perchance might sing a better if beneath a roof i sang it at the end of the deal table if a house you cannot give me there to rest upon the planking i will hum my tunes in forest toss my songs among the bushes said the maidens of the island answered after full reflection there are houses you may enter, handsome halls that you may dwell in, safe from cold to sing your verses, in the open speak your magic. Then the lively Lemminkainen entered in a house directly, where he sang a row of pint pots at the end of the long table. All the pots with ale were brimming, and the cans with mead the finest, filled as full as one could fill them, dishes filled to overflowing. In the pots was beer in plenty, and the mead in covered tankards. Butter, too, in great abundance, pork was likewise there in plenty, for the feast of Lemminkainen, and for Kaukomili's pleasure. Kauko was of finest manners, nor to eat was he accustomed, only with a knife of silver fitted with a golden handle. So he sang a knife of silver and a golden-hafted knife-blade, and he ate till he was sated, drank the ale in full contentment. Then the lively Lemminkainen roamed about through every village, for the island maiden's pleasure to delight the braidless damsels, and where'er his head was turning, there he found a mouth for kissing, wheresoe'er his hand was outstretched, there he found a hand to clasp it. And at night he went to rest him, hiding in the darkest corner, there was not a single village where he did not find ten homesteads. There was not a single homestead where he did not find ten daughters. There was none among the daughters, none among the mother's children, by whose side he did not stretch him, on whose arm he did not rest him. Thus a thousand brides he found there, rested by a hundred widows. Two and half a score remained not, three and a completed hundred whom he left untouched as maidens, or as widows unmolested. Thus the lively Lemminkainen lived a life of great enjoyment, for the course of three whole summers in the island's pleasant hamlets, to the island maiden's rapture the content of all the widows. One alone he did not trouble, t'was a poor and aged maiden, at the furthest promontory in the tenth among the hamlets. As he pondered on his journey and resolved to wend him homeward, came the poor and aged maiden, and she spoke the words which follow. Handsome hero, wretched Kauko, if you will not think upon me, then I wish that as you travel, may your boat on rocks be stranded. Rose he not before the cock-crow, nor before the hen's child rose he, from his sporting with the maiden, laughing with the wretched woman. 
Then upon a day it happened, and upon a certain evening, he resolved to rise and wander, waiting not for morn or cock-crow. Long before the time he rose up, sooner than the time intended, and he went around to wander and to wander through the village, for his sporting with the damsels to amuse the wretched women. As alone by night he wandered, through the villages he sauntered, to the isle's extremest headland, to the tenth among the hamlets. He beheld not any homestead, where three rooms he did not notice. There was not a room among them where he did not see three heroes, and he saw not any hero with a sword-blade left unwetted, sharpened thus to bring destruction on the head of Lemminkainen. Then the lively Lemminkainen spoke aloud the words which follow, Woe to me, the day is dawning, and the pleasant sun is rising, or a youth of all most wretched, or the neck of me unhappy. Lempo may perchance a hero with his shirt protect and cover, perhaps will cover with his mantle, cast it round him for protection, though a hundred men attacked him and a thousand pressed upon him. Unembraced he left the maidens, and he left them unmolested, and he turned him to his vessel, luckless to his boat he hurried. But he found it burned to ashes, utterly consumed to ashes. Mischief now he saw approaching, o'er his head ill days were brooding, so began to build a vessel and a new boat to construct him. Wood was failing to the craftsman, boards with which a boat to fashion, but he found of wood a little, begged some wretched bits of boarding, five small splinters of a spindle and six fragments of a bobbin. So from these a boat he fashioned, and a new boat he constructed. By his magic art he made it, with his secret knowledge made it. Hammered once one side he fashioned, hammered twice called up the other, hammered then a third time only. And the boat was quite completed. Then he pushed the boat in water, on the waves he launched the vessel, and he spoke the words which follow, and expressed himself in this wise. Float like bladder on the water, on the waves like water lily. Eagle give me now three feathers, eagle three and two from raven, for the wretched boat's protection, for the wretched vessel's bulwarks. Then he stepped upon the planking, at the stern he took his station, head bowed down in deep depression, and his cap awry adjusted. Since by night he dare not tarry, nor by day could linger longer, for the island maiden's pleasure sporting with the unbraided damsels. Spoke the lively Lemminkainen, said the handsome Kaukomili, now the youth must take departure, and must travel from these dwellings. Joyless leave behind these damsels, dance no longer with the fair ones. Surely when I have departed and have left this land behind me, never will rejoice these damsels, nor unbraided girls be jesting, in their homes so full of sadness, in the courtyards now so dreary. Wept the island girls already, damsels at the cape lamented, Wherefore goest thou, Lemminkainen, and departest, hero bridegroom? Dost thou go for maiden's coyness, or for scarcity of women? Spoke the lively Lemminkainen, said the handsome Kaukomili, Tis not for the maiden's coyness, nor the scarcity of women. I have had a hundred women, and embraced a thousand maidens. Thus departeth Lemminkainen. 
quits you thus your hero bridegroom since the great desire has seized me longing for my native country longing for my own land strawberries for the slopes where grow the raspberries for the maidens on the headland and the poultry of my farmyard then the lively lemminkainen pushed into the waves the vessel blew the wind and then it blustered rising waves drove on the vessel o'er the blue lake's shining surface and across the open water on the beach there stood the sad ones on the shingles the unhappy and the island girls were weeping and the golden maids lamenting wept for long the island maidens damsels on the cape lamented long as they could see the masthead and the ironwork was gleaming but they wept not for the masthead nor bewailed the iron fittings by the mast they wept the steersman he who wrought the iron fittings lemminkainen too was weeping long he wept and long was saddened long as he could see the island or the outline of its mountains but he wept not for the island nor lamented for the mountains but he wept the island damsels for the mountain geese lamented then the lively lemminkainen o'er the blue lake took his journey and he voyaged one day a second and at length upon the third day rose a furious wind against him and the whole horizon thundered rose a great wind from the northwest and a strong wind from the northeast struck one side and then the other thus the vessel overturning then the lively lemminkainen plunged his hands into the water rowing forward with his fingers while his feet he used for steering thus he swam by night and daytime and with greatest skill he steered him and a little cloud perceived he in the west a cloud projecting which to solid land was changing and became a promontory on the cape he found a homestead where he found the mistress baking and her daughter's dough were kneading oh thou very gracious mistress if you but perceived my hunger thought upon my sad condition you would hurry to the storehouse to the alehouse like a snowstorm and a can of ale would fetch me and a strip of pork would fetch me in the pan would broil it for me and would pour some butter on it that the weary man might eat it and the fainting hero drink it nights and days have i been swimming out upon the broad lake's billows with the wind as my protector at the mercy of the lake waves thereupon the gracious mistress hastened to the mountain storehouse sliced some butter in the storehouse and a slice of pork provided in the pan thereafter broiled it that the hungry man might eat it then she fetched of ale a canful for the fainting hero's drinking and she gave him a new vessel and a boat completely finished which to other lands should take him and convey him to his birthplace then the lively lemminkainen started on his homeward journey saw the lands and saw the beaches here the islands there the channels saw the ancient landing stages saw the former dwelling places and he saw the pine-clad mountains all the hills with fir-trees covered but he found no more his homestead and the walls he found not standing where the house before was standing rustled now a cherry thicket on the mound were pine-trees growing juniper beside the well-spring spoke the lively lemminkainen said the handsome cow Komili, i have roamed among these forests o'er the stones and plunged in river and have played about the meadows and have wandered through the cornfields 
Who has spoiled my well-known homestead and destroyed my charming dwelling? They have burned the house to ashes, and the winds dispersed the ashes. Thereupon he fell to weeping, and he wept one day, a second. But he wept not for the homestead, nor lamented for the storehouse. But he wept the house's treasure, dearer to him than the storehouse. Then he saw a bird was flying, and a golden eagle hovering. And he then began to ask it, O oh, my dearest golden eagle, can you not perchance inform me? What has happened to my mother, to the fair one who has borne me, to my dear and much-loved mother? Nothing knew the eagle of her, nor the stupid bird could tell him, only knew that she had perished, said a raven, she had fallen, and had died beneath the sword-blades, neath the battle-axes fallen. Answered lively Lemminkainen, said the handsome cow Komili, O oh, my fair one who hast borne me, O oh, my dear and much-loved mother, hast thou perished who hast borne me? Hast thou gone, O oh, tender mother? Now thy flesh and earth has rotted, fir-trees o'er thy head are growing, juniper upon thy ankles, on thy finger-tips are willows. Thus my wretched doom has found me, and an ill reward has reached me, that my sword I dared to measure, and I dared to raise my weapons, there in Poyola's great castle in the fields of Pimentola. But my own race now has perished, perished now is she who bore me. Then he looked and turned on all sides, and he saw a trace of footsteps, where the grass was lightly trampled and the heath was slightly broken. Then he went the way they led him, and he found a little pathway. To the forest led the pathway, and he went in that direction. Thus he walked a verst, a second, hurried through a stretch of country, and in darkest shades of forest, in the most concealed recesses, there he saw a hidden bathhouse, saw a little cottage hidden. In a cleft two rocks protected, in a nook between three fir-trees, there he saw his tender mother, there beheld the aged woman. Then the lively Lemminkainen felt rejoiced beyond all measure, and he spoke the words which follow, and in words like these expressed him. O oh, my very dearest mother, O oh, my mother who hast nursed me, thou art living still, O oh, mother, watchful still, my aged mother. Yet I thought that thou hadst perished, and wast lost to me for ever, perished underneath the sword-blades, or beneath the spears, hadst fallen. And I wept my pretty eyes out, and my handsome cheeks were ruined. Then said Lemminkainen's mother, True it is that I am living, but was forced to fly my dwelling, and to seek a place of hiding in this dark and gloomy forest, in the most concealed recesses, when came Poyola to battle, murderous hosts from distant countries, seeking but for thee, unhappy, and our home they laid in ruins, and they burned the house to ashes, and they wasted all the holding. Said the lively Lemminkainen, O my mother who hast borne me, do not give thyself to sadness, be not sad, and be not troubled. We will now erect fresh buildings, better buildings than the others, and will wage a war with Poya, overthrowing Lempo's people. Then did Lemminkainen's mother answer in the words which follow, Long hast thou, my son, been absent, long my Kauko hast been living, in a distant foreign country, always in the doors of strangers, on a nameless promontory, and upon an unknown island. 
answered lively lemminkainen said the handsome cow Komili, there to dwell was very pleasant charming was it there to wander there the trees are crimson shining red the trees and blue the country and the pine boughs shine like silver and the flowers of heath all golden and the mountains are of honey and the rocks are made of hen's eggs flows the mead from withered pine trees milk flows from the barren fir trees butter flows from corner fences from the posts the ale is flowing there to dwell was very pleasant lovely was it to reside there afterwards twas bad to live there and unfit for me to live there they were anxious for the maidens and suspicious of the women lest the miserable wenches and the fat and wicked creatures might by me be badly treated visited too much at night-time but i hid me from the maidens and the women's daughters guarded just as hides the wolf from porkers or the hawks from village poultry end of runo twenty nine recording by expatriate in bangor maine